On this show, we will discuss elements of the story, which may also include some spoilers. So this is your official spoiler alert. It's okay if you haven't read the book, but if you're looking to avoid having it spoiled, go back, read the book, and then come on back and listen to our conversation. Hey everybody, our book this week, The Giver, falls more in the young adult category and will deal with some heavier themes, which we will discuss on this show, and young ears may not be ready for these conversations. So, if you're listening with youngsters around, we do advise discretion. Thank you. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Not Your Average Book Report, a podcast about children's books, where I need to check and make sure I'm recording. Yes, I am. Where we believe in never losing the childlike joy of reading. My name is Sam. I'm an avid reader of books who couldn't make it past the first chapter of The Catcher in the Rye because there weren't any sword fights. And I am joined by my co-host, Sarah, a former high school English teacher and now a full-time mom of two wild children. Wild is right. How old are Harper and Davis right now? Five and three, but... I should say five and almost four. Five and almost four. (laughs) What would you, how would you describe being a parent of a five and an almost four-year-old? Well, it's delightful. Honestly, this Mm. is part of, I feel like this, when I look back on my kids' lives, I'm going to wish that I could press pause on this one because neither of them are in full-time school. Um, They still think I'm great sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Harper's sass. Though prevalent isn't quite as um, painful, I think, as teenage years, maybe. It's more just like bad attitude. I love you, mom, rather than stone cold silence for a week. Mm. So I I love being a mom of a five and almost three-year-old. It's a delight. Mm. What about the season makes you want to just push pause? Like, what are y'all? What are y'all into? What's the- um? Well, they just are super imaginative, oh. and that I love that. Oh yeah, it's so fun to listen to them. I won't lie, my children love each other yeah. very, very much, yeah. and they're great friends. Um, and that's just something I I don't give myself any credit for. I think it's just who they are. But mm. if I could just watch them play together forever, and it's yeah. pretty sweet. Are there any characters from books that your kids remind you of? I honestly can see Davis being kind of a Huck Finn okay. kind of guy. Just yeah mischievous and silly but a good heart yeah um harper she will wish that i said a princess yeah but i don't have one right now for her hmm i'm just curious about that (laughs) huck finn that's a good one we probably should do tom sawyer or huck finn on the show i love huck finn tom sawyer is like a fun adventure story Mm -hmm. and huck finn was written as like a social criticism yeah Yeah. just fascinating to me well speaking of social criticism (laughs) We read this week The Giver by Lois Lowry. It was published in 1993. It won the Newbery Medal the following year. And this was her second Newbery Medal because she won it for Number of the Stars in 1990. Go, Lois. Yeah. uh, Here's what I thought was interesting. She denies this claim, but it's a young adult dystopian novel. Mm -hmm. It's labeled that way. She says it's not dystopian. Mm. But there are some people who credit this whole young adult dystopian phase that yeah. we're in with this book they, they, this book started it okay and it was like a precursor to the hunger games divergent maze runner all these series okay because right now in the young adult yeah. world dystopian is like the thing totally i think that's a bit of a stretch because this book is so different from those but there is that 
me versus society yeah, thing. I get it though. The it's not necessarily they're not the same, but it is like a stepping off point. I could mm-hmm. see how someone reads it and thinks, "Hmm, I wonder what it'd be like if this happened or yeah. if you know, this kind of world existed. So right. maybe not this total same vein, but... Right. Did you know this was the number 11 most frequently challenged book on a list from the American Library Association Office of Intellectual Freedom for books that have been challenged and people trying to get them banned from school libraries? I had no idea. Number 11. Wow. Number 10 was The Catcher in the Rye <laughs> of all books. Okay. <laughs> to give you an idea of what kind of books yeah. that there was a bunch of challenges to this right. parents did not want their kids reading this book interesting why do you think that mm. is was there anything in here that you were there were quite a few things in here that but to the point where you're like i don't want that in the library no, kids no. shouldn't read it no i there are very few books out there i think that i would say kids shouldn't read honestly yeah. i don't even know what i would say children shouldn't read i think there is a um responsibility of parents to mm-hmm check out what your kids are reading yeah. and to decide if it's the appropriate time and place for yeah. it. So I don't really feel like books should be banned in general. Well, I think like the timing seems more important than yes. not at all. Like there's, yeah. there are some themes here of like conversations you're not ready to have because this book does deal with things like depression, mm-hmm. suicide, sexuality, and infanticide even. Yeah. And I'm with you of like those things are part of the mm-hmm. world we live in. And to me, it's a, there's a time for those conversations. And I think stories like this can help, yep. but timing is key. Absolutely. Which for you, having read this book now, what do you feel like is an appropriate time for this book? Well, honestly, I think that anything before middle school, yeah. probably not no. appropriate. I would yeah. really venture to 11 or 12 yeah. um, before I considered it. I think I read it in sixth grade and reading it through this time... The stuff I picked up on as an adult, as a kid, I got none yeah, of that. Yeah, There was so much in this book that I felt like I read a different book yeah. from what I read in sixth grade. I agree. From what I remembered. But talking about Lois Lowry, her sister passed away from cancer when she was 28. Hmm. And at that time, her father was suffering from memory loss when it happened, and she was forced to remind him that she had passed away. Oh. And her father's memory loss is what inspired this book. Uh, Here's a quote from her, quote, and so I began to think about writing a book about people who had found a way to manipulate human memory so they wouldn't have to remember anything bad, Mm. end quote. I I had never heard that as where this book came from. Well, that makes me, knowing that and hearing that quote, it makes me see why she disagrees that this was like the start of the dystopian Mm -hmm. young adult. Right. And definitely like you can feel the heaviness there of. She is somebody who talks about grief and loss as someone who has visited those lands. She's not somebody describing it from afar. She's describing it after having been Mm -hmm. there. She described a central theme in her work, quote, the importance of human connection, the vital need of people to be aware of their interdependence, not only with each other, but with this world and its environment, Mm -hmm. end quote. Um, which I thought was interesting that she, she's written over 40 books, but she said that's a through line through a lot of them. The Giver is about Jonas. He's a 12-year-old boy who lives in a society closed off from the world governed by intense rules like never lying, choosing accurate words so you don't offend anybody, rules for apologizing and mm-hmm. accepting apologies. Every detail of your life is perfectly planned from who your parents are to your job and your spouse as well as the two children that you are given to raise. And then in this society, the old are 
released, as well as the lawless and even some babies who aren't deemed fit for the community. What really jumped out at you from this book, especially with like the society and the rules? That's a great question. I have a lot of thoughts about this book as I read it. Mm -hmm. Um, The precision in language that they asked for from kids and all members of society. That was just really interesting to me. The part where Asher, his friend, um, as a kid, got smack and snack mixed up. And so he continued to get smacked on the hand. And then he didn't talk for a while because he was afraid he was going to get smacked instead of you know, getting a snack. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think about my kids and Davis, he currently doesn't know prepositions. He gets them wrong all the time. And my favorite thing he says right now is I can't do it on myself when he means by myself. <laughs> and I don't know if it's a lazy mom or a mom who's will- not willing to let her children grow up, but I do not correct him and I will not correct him. I will let that come when it comes. Yeah. And so I thought about Davis in that part where Asher's getting smacked. I was like, I would never smack Davis for saying on right. myself. I giggle and I want to pinch his little cheeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But it's interesting how, because his life kind of gets turned upside down because mm-hmm. there's, when you're a kid in this society, every year there's like a ceremony where you progress up to the next right. level. When you turn 12, you are given your, basically your job, like your role your for the rest of your life. Right. And when we meet Jonas, he's like nervous about mm-hmm. this. And when we get to the ceremony, he finds out that he's going to be the receiver of memory, mm-hmm. which is this highly prestigious job. There's only one in the entire community and it only changes like every yeah. I don't know, like 50, 60 years, we don't know. Um, And this is when he meets the current receiver, who he calls the giver, and learns his role is to carry the world's memories. Some memories are joyful, like sledding and sunsets and Christmas celebrations, but he also learns of war, heartbreak, sorrow, pain, Mm -hmm. grief, and loss. And he, when we say learn about these memories, he's not reading about them in books. He's feeling them. He literally is like having these memories put into his experience. Yeah. That's actually something I really enjoyed in this book is that first memory of snow and how he said, I can, I know that I'm laying on the bed or wherever he was. I'm in the annex, but I suddenly am cold. And then Mm -hmm. the delight of snow, just how that was different for him. I felt like I could see him halfway in, halfway out of both worlds. There's something about snow and sledding too. Mm -hmm. That's just very emblematic of childhood because now i'm thinking about holes yeah and where stanley goes when he's in the hole at the end and we won't do spoiler alert just in case somebody hasn't read holes but he does think about like a memory of right with his mom in the snow right when why is that that well just think because i felt that too like all those like warm fuzzy nostalgia childhood memories of sledding funny is i also think of narnia when i think of snow I did. You did it. But have you ever experienced, I mean, we experienced seven inches of snow in Knoxville two weeks ago. Yeah, we did. Cuckoo. But like the beauty of snow hanging on trees, like mm-hmm. as a kid, as an adult, whoever you are, mm-hmm. you cannot walk out into snow and not feel a bit of magic. Everything is frozen. Everything is beautiful and clean and pure. Mm-hmm. And there's just something lovely about that. She's getting at this idea of discovery. Like, remember when you were a kid and you discovered that snow was a thing? Mm-hmm. It's completely 
alien to yeah, your previous right. understanding of the world. When you have a visual in your head, was it just gray? When you th- were reading this book and you imagined him walking down the street or riding his bike, yeah. was there color? Yeah, but that but for me, I'm kind of seeing like a suburb okay. where all the houses are the same. Okay, that's funny. And it just feels really, like you, we've all seen those movies where it's like mm-hmm. just the creepy, the way we yeah. see the suburbs of yeah. everything is the same. Yeah, very, step for wives yeah. as if they're houses. Yeah. That's kind of what I saw in my head. Okay. Because the apple scene yeah. where... Which is just amazing writing because she's yes. describing somebody who's never seen color. Right. Seeing the first and flex trying of to color. explain what yeah. he saw. Yeah. That was that was a scene I remember okay. as a kid. Okay. I did remember as sixth grade. But, yeah. Oh, he's been seeing black and white this yeah. entire time. Yeah. And maybe it was my past self who read this in seventh grade or whatever mm-hmm. that when I was reading it, I saw everything in gray. Yeah. Especially when he's talking about what's her name's hair. Yeah. Being red, Fiona. I was like, oh, I see it a little bit. Hey, everybody, Sam here with a few announcements and four new sounds in my sound pad. That's not what I really wanted to happen. Oh, I did it again. My goodness, this is just falling off the rails. Anyways, this week's shout out is to all of our listeners up there in Irwin, Tennessee. Right there in the beautiful shadow of Unaka Mountain. We love you, Irwin, and we think you should go on the Scotts Farms Market for some ice cream soon. Speaking of Scotts Farms Market, big shout out to Unicoi as well. Unicoi, Limestone Cove, all of you up there in beautiful eastern Tennessee, we love you. This week's personal shout out is going to our friend Eric. That kind of worked. That's Eric with a K, the name in all of its Norwegian glory. Eric gave us a lovely review and is also just an all-around wonderful human. Do you want a shout-out on the show? The easiest way to do that is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super helpful for us, and mainly we love hearing from you. Remember that you can follow us on Instagram at NYA Book Report, no caps, no spaces, which you'll want to do, because later in this episode, we're announcing a contest that we're going to have on our Instagram. Nope. Okay, well, that was just the wrong choice. Also, you can reach us via email at nyabookreport at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, and most importantly, book suggestions. We would love to hear some books you would want read and reviewed on the show. I also want to give a big shout out to our social media manager, who also happens to be my wife, Emily. She's doing an amazing job running our Instagram. She is so creative with that in ways that I couldn't even fathom. So big thanks to Emily. You're doing a great job, and I love you. Now, back to the show. It's a weird book. It's a really weird book because it's kind of hard to relate to the characters because they have nothing to relate to you Mm -hmm. with because they haven't experienced anything. And so much of the way we connect with other people is through what we've experienced. Well, so let me ask you this. Do you think that this book is meant for us to connect with the characters or to teach us a lesson slash give us a warning? I think it's to teach a lesson. Okay. For sure. I think after hearing the story about her sister and her dad, I think she experienced something and realized something about being a human Mm -hmm. that she really wanted to tell a story about. How many times have I said, I'd just rather not feel this or, you know, in deep pain it's like, oh, it'd be easier if I just never had to experience this. Yep. But the thing is, so 
they're trying to avoid pain. They're trying to avoid these bad things. Yep. But bad things are happening. Like, think about the babies who are being released. Right. That is a bad thing. And it's, how are you going to engage with those bad things? Are you going to pretend that all bad things are good things? Yeah, like his dad does. It's exactly. just like super positive. Exactly. And mm. so I just say bye-bye. That freaked me out. It's literally just... Oh, I almost put the book away. Really? At that point, when he was talking to the daughter, Lily, about what he would do for the baby, and he would mm -hmm. like, and then I say bye-bye. And then when Jonas is watching the tape of the release... And the dad says, bye-bye. What did you feel in that moment? That I wanted to throw the book across the yard. Mm. It just was so, I can't name the exact feeling, but I think I was more sitting like thinking about how old do I think I want my kids to be when they read this book and I mm -hmm. have to, and they have to sit in that because it was yucky as an adult. And maybe as a kid, it's not quite as painful. Yeah. Um, Because it seems kind of imaginative. But then I think about my kids and I'm yeah. like, how could you hurt a kid? I, rem I remember baby? reading that part oh. in sixth grade. I remember, because I was probably 12, and yeah. I remember feeling the same horror that yeah. Jonas feels. I don't think I talked to anyone about it, though. Oh, well, I and that's where I think there might have been a gap. Yeah. Like, I, this book's really popular with, like, reading clubs, mm -hmm. which I think is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because there are so many things that need to be addressed, I right. think, after this book. And that's how I, she's trying to teach a lesson. Yes. And so this book needs a good teacher. Right. Honestly, alongside yes. a good parent to come in and talk about these things yep. because it is a heavy book. Heavy. Oof. But I think that's kind of the point. That just makes me think of the beginning of chapter 16. Jonas has just discovered war. Mm -hmm. He's just been given the scene. He essentially watches a young man die calling for his mother. Yeah. And the giver... This is beautiful scene where the giver is like remembering this memory and it's tearing him apart. And Jonah says, if you gave it to me, would that make it better? Mm. And he does it, gets this memory. And at the end, the giver says, forgive me. The next chapter begins with Jonas did not want to go back. He didn't want the memories, didn't want the honor, didn't want the wisdom, didn't want the pain. He wanted his childhood again, mm. his scraped knees and ball games. I Oof. feel all that. Yeah. In this society, there is a clear line of when they become, when they're kids mm -hmm. and when they're not. Like when they become 12. Yeah. They're moving on from childhood, though mm -hmm. there's still bits and pieces. The intention is this is who you're going to be as an adult. Yeah. And it's like for us not living in this society of rules and regulations, for some people, childhood ended at five years old. Yeah. And for some, childhood ended when they're 13 you know mm -hmm. it just and so i don't know if i would like that more or less because i'm trying to think when do i feel like childhood really ended for me and i feel like it was probably sixth or seventh grade do you still feel the loss it doesn't oh, you may not absolutely. know exactly when but there is this sense of loss absolutely i love that right after this is the scene where the giver gives jonas his favorite memory mm-hmm and the giver gives him a scene from somebody's Christmas mm -hmm. when they were a kid and the family's gathered around opening presents. I think in there is that subtle idea of, yes, we have to engage the reality of the world. We have to feel the pain. We have to feel the sorrow, feel the grief. 
but we also can hold on to the parts in us that are children that say, but there is also good. Yeah. Because there is pain, because there is sorrow, because there is grief, because we're humans and we have the ability to make choices, and some of us make choices for bad Mm -hmm. and break the world, all of us do it. That also creates a world where there's love. Yeah. I'm going to read here. Jonas felt the joy of it as soon as the memory began. Sometimes it took a while for him to get his bearings to find his place, but this time he fit right in and felt the happiness that pervaded the memory. He was in a room filled with people, and it was warm with firelight glowing on the hearth. He could see through a window that outside it was night and snowing. There were colored lights, red and green and yellow, twinkling from a tree, which was oddly inside the room. On a table, lighted candles stood in a polished golden holder, and it cast a soft, flickering glow. He could smell things cooking, and he heard soft laughter. A golden-haired dog lay sleeping on the floor. While Jonas watched, the people began one by one, untie the ribbons and the packages to unwrap the bright papers, open the boxes, and reveal toys, clothing, and books. There were cries of delight. They hugged one another. The small child went and sat in the lap of his, this old woman. She rocked him and rubbed his cheek against his. I cried because <laughs> I immediately thought of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. As I read that and as I listened to you talk, um... Harper's first Easter, we were at your parents' house, and when we drove home, she was, I think, one, two, three, like seven months old, six mm-hmm. or seven months old, and I remember getting home, and it had just been a lovely weekend, just mm. perfect, and and I don't mean to, like, we do this all the time, but, like, bust it. into the religious world, the Christian world, but, like, this longing that even on the most perfect days, it doesn't even equal to what heaven will be like. Mm. And so I think about this and I think about him being there and as an adult, like thinking back on these wonderful moments of childhood. And I'm like, even the best moment isn't as great as it will be. But and that longing that I think we will always have, yeah. like no matter what, looking back, looking forward, we're always going to have a longing, right? Um, that may or may not be fulfilled. I think that's where what I'm talking about is what balances the two. Yeah, is the way we are able to accept the reality of the world mm-hmm. and still let our inner child and the Absolutely. wonder of that speak. I don't know if I can use this, but I'm just going to say it. Okay, Easter and the resurrection make that possible. Mm-hmm. Because I've realized for me, the thing I love about stories, the thing I'm chasing when I read books, when I watch movies, is I love when a story can show suffering and pain and grief and sorrow and can end it in such a way that says, in the end, it was all worth it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My soul cries out for a story like that. Yeah. And what I love about Easter on my best days is I believe there is a story like that. It actually happened and it's That's true. Right. And that is the only way, for me at least, that I believe that you can take the hard pain of the world and still let your young child and all of his amazement and wonder at the world survive. Yeah. And I think that's why I found this book interesting and why the ending for her had to be ambiguous. Mm-hmm. I think for her, she doesn't want to force her belief on it. Yeah. I don't know what her belief yeah. about eternity and and that's why i think the ambiguous ending yeah. works because she kind of leaves it to you of what do you think does mm-hmm. he just choose this wishful thinking and just kind of escape into this memory of snow yeah. and, and probably die yeah or is he actually finding yeah 
this community, you know? Right. And as a kid, I remember thinking, oh. He made it. He made it. <laughs> Didn't think twice about it. As yeah. an adult, I was like, there's no way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the cynic in me was like. He's a goner. He just found, the, the, like, you know, there was this whole scene where he's supposed to find the sled, then he right. rolls into Christmas. No, right. he's he's replaying the memories for both of them yes. before they die. Yes. And I'm like, you will not talk me off of that. That's what happened. Is it, do you agree with that? I do. I do. <sighs> Unfortunately, I do. Right. And so you're <laughs> left with this. What do you do with the pain of the world yeah. and all this grief and sorrow? What are you left with? Yeah. We think we know what we ha- what happens to them. But then it also leaves us too wondering what happens to this society because he has left right. all of these memories that we don't know what they're doing with them. We have right. the hope that they're dealing with them and not just saying we're not going right. to we're going to forget all of these, but I think that's the hope she wants to leave with. If Jonas and Gabriel didn't make it, mm-hmm. but... Their memories did. Their memories did. Mm-hmm. And there is hope because Absolutely. society now has to deal with these memories. Because yeah. there is this weird magical thing that's not explained that when Jonas leaves, all the memories just right. kind of seep back yeah. in. And the giver is there to help them through that. Yeah. Which I think that is a beautiful note to end yeah. on. I kind of am left with like, well, what about Jonas and Gabriel? Yeah, that's true. You know, and they have tried not to like think too deeply about Gabriel. Right. I don't know the correct word that I'm going for, but when we say like Jonas's memories will be left behind with the society, but then also Gabriel's will because Jonas mm-hmm. gave Gabriel yeah. memories. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I don't know, there's something really pre- uh, precious to me about Jonas loving Gabriel yeah. and caring for Gabriel and right. giving him peaceful, calm memories. Like right. that's something I'm not exactly sure how to talk about it, but I loved that. Yeah. Very, very much. It's a good book. I would not recommend it to an elementary schooler. Yeah. I would say this is a great book to read with your child. Yes. Um, it needs a guy. That could be a definite great conversation. It's painful and I also wouldn't yeah, I would I would recommend it just yeah. in the right time. I would say that if you're a parent and your kid is assigned this in school, mm-hmm. read it with them. With them. Like yeah. teachers can be great guides. I was mm-hmm. a teacher, I know I was a great guide, but um to have that conversation, those conversations at yeah. home too, I think so powerful. For those parents out there, though, who are really nervous about it because they've read it's on banned book lists. Yeah. What would you say to them? It's like, okay, we got to sign this book and I'm not sure if I want my kid to read it or not. Is there enough in here to make you say, no, don't? No. No. Again, it's the age. Yeah. If it were my fourth or fifth grader, right. I'd say probably not the best time. But middle school, I would say, just read it with them. It leads to good conversations. I mean, the world, as we know, is not a perfect place. And this exposes some of that. I didn't think there was anything in here that was like, people shouldn't read ever. No, no. I want to close our conversation on The Giver with this quote from Lois Lowry. She says, I try through writing to convey my passionate awareness that we live intertwined on this planet and that our future depends on our caring more and doing more for one another. Mm. And I think that sums up what she's basically trying to say in this book. Yeah. Is that we need each other. Agreed. Um, And that fits because your kids need you to read this book with them. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So, Sarah, we had an idea. 
Because we've enjoyed making this podcast. Yes, we have. We've enjoyed reading these books. And we want to share these books. That's right. In a very literal way. So now we have an official Instagram account. We do. Instagram.com. Why did did I do that? Instagram.com. Does anybody? No one. (laughs) I do because I don't have the Instagram app on my phone. I don't either, but I have it on my iPad. We are NYA Book Report. No caps, no spaces on Instagram. On the World Wide Web. But also Instagram.com slash NYA Book Report. <laughs> if you've ever been on the, the internet. <laughs> if you wear your white New Balance shoes oh with your high socks and you're an old man like me. And if you get like AOL dial-up, yeah. it'll be about four and a half minutes. And then you'll get on Instagram.com backslash. You've got mail. <laughs> okay, anyway, so if you get on Instagram.com... <laughs> I can't believe you said that. Pull it together. Oh my gosh. Okay. So on Instagram, we are going to have a giveaway where we are going to give away the first five. We're going to say five books. Five books that we read. The actual hard copy, straight out Barnes and Noble. (laughs) Um, Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor, but you could be Barnes and Noble. We will accept it. Um, So what you need to do is go to our Instagram. We'll put a post up. We'll put a post. Don't just put yeah. it on a random one. Yeah. We will have our contest post up by when this episode comes when out. When this episode comes out, the yes. contest post will be up. Here's how you enter comment on our contest post with your favorite teacher. Yes. And just tell us why you loved them. Yep. And then share the post. Yes. And that is how you enter into the Perfect. contest. It could be your kindergarten teacher. Yep. Your 12th grade history teacher. If you happen to know their Instagram ha- handle, go ahead and tag them. Mm-hmm. Mine's going to be my second grade teacher, Mrs. Poe. Mine is going to be my husband. That's Nat fair. K. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I should comment and post about myself. Yeah. Um, You're your favorite teacher. I'm my own self-care, favorite teacher. Self-care, self-love. That's right. Brene Brown, what's up? <laughs> we can't wait to hear about your favorite teacher yeah. through your life. And you could win the first five books that we have talked about. Right. All right, Sam. It's that time. It's the end. That time. Oh, that was good. It's the end of the podcast as you know it. <laughs> Closing <laughs> This time. has gone so off the rails. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Sam. At the end of the podcast, we announce our next book. Yes. And so, Sam, what are we reading next? Our next book is The One and Only Ivan by Catherine Applegate. This one was recommended by Katie Neely. I don't know if she listens to this podcast or not. But now I'm going to tell her we gave her a shout out, so she probably will. And Katie Neely, tell us who your favorite teacher is. Yeah, (laughs) on our Instagram. So we're going to read The One and Only Ivan by Catherine Applegate. Can't wait to jump into this one. Can't wait. Be on the lookout for the contest posts on Instagram where we can start sharing favorite teachers and why you love them. And be sure to share the story for an extra entry. We'll announce that winner on the next show. Did I miss anything? I don't think so, but... Glad to be back. We will see you next time. See ya. It was good having you back. It yeah, was good. Obviously. Sarah, thanks. <laughs> Bye-bye.